Welcome to Vision of Zion. My name is Craig Perry and the date today is August 1st, 2022. When I was a young man, uh, I guess I was a boy actually, <laughs> say it that way. When I was a boy, uh, I think I was probably 11, going on 12, I'm not sure exactly. I was, um, I joined a flag football team. We had a neat little team Mr. Knight was our coach, assistant coach was Mr. Benavides, and his, Mr. Benavides' son Frankie was this portly uh, kid who was perfect for being the center and hiking the hiking the football. I think I played either guard or tackle. <laughs> it was my job to, um, uh, with the other linemen, to open up a hole for our little runner, Antonio. He was so fast. Uh, to get through the line and, and push the ball down the field to get a touchdown. And we were, our name, were, we were called the Rams. Every time we did a, a good play, we would uh, get rewarded with stars that we would have our mothers sew on our blue jerseys. And it became a thing of pride to get these little stars sewed to your jersey. I have a picture of an eight by ten of us standing in a two uh, two rows, and all of us are kind of pulling our shirts down because we would put the stars on the shoulder, uh, left and right shoulder, from the neckline down, and you couldn't see them real well unless you pulled your jersey down. So we're all in this line, you know, pulling our jerseys down to show how many stars we got. And it was uh, it was a cool it was a cool league and and we did well we did really really well uh, until the final I think it was a, it, I think it was a championship game I, I could be wrong about that but all I remember is that we all of our games were during the day this was a nighttime game <clears throat> down at a larger park not our normal park and they had those big fl floodlights I never played it at night it was really cool. And we faced this team named the Redskins. And the rumor was that they had gone across the entire town hiring big kids. Uh, it's fair to say we were a prepubescent team. Uh, you know, none of us had hit puberty yet. And then to have this team where they had found kids that had been the same age, but they had matured earlier. They were big. It was like a big wall. And we got our tails kicked in that day. I'll never forget. It was we were in shock. But but the point of the story though is that I remember as a lineman, and we do sweeps around the end. We do open up a hole. We did all kinds of really fun plays. <laughs> what I remember though is that you had to be focused on the big picture, <clears throat> and I remember visualizing uh on the line where we had to be and where we had to, the hole we had to open up or we do a sweep and i would fo be focused on where the ball was going to go and i wasn't focused so much on the players the defense we we're focused on getting our play executed and and looking at the big picture on i keep thinking about that 
because I haven't, I didn't play football after that, after realizing that there were really big kids that could hurt you physically. Uh, I kind of discouraged me from being a basketball, a football player. I went into basketball, volleyball, and other things like that. But that day I learned about uh, size matters when it comes to uh, playing uh, football. And I probably spared myself a lot of serious injuries that I saw some of my friends and relatives and, and uh, teammates get down the road. Anyway, my point is that there, there was this, uh, you had to be able to not be afraid of the defense. You had to put push that out of your mind, except that last game when, where there was just no way to overcome the opposition, it felt like. But in all the other games, it was kind of this, what I would call a situational awareness of the field, of where we wanted to go and, and end up. And uh, I think about that often how maybe if I'd played that sport longer, <clears throat> I would have developed a more acute sense of spatial awareness and situational awareness. The point I'm trying to make is that you can be completely frozen about the future of getting to the place where we have heaven on earth. We have the Savior reigning in our, in our midst in the future. That can be completely blocked out by all of the opposition that we're going to face in the future. And if you stay focused on the defense, well, we're supposed to be playing offense. We're not going to get the ball down the field the way we're supposed to, into the end zone. We, you have to have a greater vision and a greater awareness of what's going on in the field than a bunch of defendant defense uh in this case, the front line, let's say, rushing in and trying to grab your guy's flag or in tackle football, tackle your co your uh, your your quarterback. I'm sorry. So this the, you've got to stay focused on what your game plan is and push through the uh, the defense. So last week, I mentioned yesterday because that, that was a podcast I did that was yesterday podcast five. I mentioned that I had a really hard time. <clears throat> it was challenging for me to, even though I had an impression days before what I was supposed to talk about, I had a really hard time uh, getting to the recording of it. And the reason is because I was facing opposition and I want to tell you what it was like. It was like every, not everything, but so many mistakes I had made in my life. Some of them are sins. Some of them are just social insecurities. I was just getting beat up by Satan, okay, by the adversary. Call it, call it what you want. I was feeling um, like I wasn't worthy to talk about being born again. I hadn't had that experience necessarily like Paul or Alma the Younger. I was in my head. I kept hearing these things like, "You can't do this. You're an idiot." you don't know how to talk, you cough a lot when you talk, you're not going to be able to present this information. I thought of, you know, th sins that I had repented of many, you know, long ago came up in my mind. I just felt like I couldn't do it. And I'm not saying it was that I was depressed or it was an overwhelming thing. I knew what was going on, but I still had to fight through the insecurities in order to prepare that uh, podcast yesterday. And this speaks to a, a much big, a bigger issue beyond football, 
beyond that little podcast, which is that anything we do that's good, we're going to face opposition. A new member, a new convert, a new born again is going to run into opposition. There's opposition in all things. We have, we are in a world that is created to see the good and the bad and also to experience them. And this began in the Garden of Eden, the story of the Garden of Eden. They get to choose. And that whole story sets up the tone for what we go through on earth. These, these struggling through the difficulties of life, the challenges of life, and get to the reward. Peter talks about a trial of faith, 1 Peter 1, 7, King James Version, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The trial of our faith is more precious than gold. This is one of my favorite verses, Ether 12.6 from the Book of Mormon. And now I, Moroni, would speak somewhat concerning these things. I would show unto you, excuse me, I would show unto the world that faith is things which are hoped for and not seen. Well, there's a definition of faith again, something that we believe is going to happen. We know it's going to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. Wherefore, dispute not because ye see not, for ye receive no witness until after the trial of your faith. Well, this should give you a lot of consolation to know that if you're having difficulty, if you're being challenged, know that you are on the right track. You're not on the wrong track, you're on the right track. It's really important for you to know that when you become converted, and I think the word born again or the phrase born again is probably the same as the word conversion. I mean, I haven't done a, like a deep study on these or a deep dive on this uh, comparison, but I think in our church, we're more comfortable using the term converted. Somebody was converted. Paul, formerly Saul, was a convert to Christianity. The conversion process where we go from natural man to spiritual man and woman, that that is a, uh, that is a conversion or a changing or a born again. So be, be aware that either before, during, or after, and all three actually, of the process of conversion, we are going to face opposition. It does not mean that what you're doing is wrong or bad. It means that you are being tried and tested. And that's what faith is all about. My wife listened to the podcast and she said, man, that sounds pretty intense towards the end there. Well, you know, Jesus said, except the man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's a pretty heavy thing. And so, yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot to, to mull over. And it's not meant to be a discouraging thing. I, I know people in my own life who have never had that conversion or born again moment. While I do believe that we are, bear some responsibility for having that experience, my wife reminded me that sometimes God picks the time and place. I like to give you two stories about that, <clears throat> where opposition occurred for two people who were ready to receive Christ and they went through very difficult things prior to the uh, the affirmation of their faith. First one occurred to my missionary proselyting companion. We, we, when we were missionaries, uh, proselyting missionaries for our church, 
we're divided up into missions throughout the world and then each mission has is broken down into zones or geographical areas and then they call uh, these young men who are serving for two years in these areas to some of them to be the leaders of that zone so they call them a zone leader and then they have districts which is an even smaller unit usually consisting of four to eight to ten missionaries and a zone might consist of 20 or 30 missionaries so we used to like to do these work visits where we would go to a city where there was a district and we would work with them and split do what we called splits where we would just take a, a companionship because we work in pairs and we would go visit and then we would split up my companion came back and reported to me this amazing experience that he had so i wasn't a part of the experience directly but this is what he told me he told me that they had uh, gone up to a uh, palazzo that's what most people live in are these high-rise apartment buildings and they were tracting <clears throat> knocking on doors and they went to the door of this one woman i, I remember her name but I, I won't say it on the podcast here but i do remember her name and they knocked on her door and she let them in and they taught her a lesson or two eventually she when we just we're just there for one day for that one visit and then the the other missionaries the, that that missionary and his partner or companion will will finish uh, teaching the lessons and challenging them uh to see if they would like to uh, uh join the church and uh after there's been a conversion anyway so they're talking to this woman and eventually she did join the church and she whether she told them that she was contemplating suicide that day she was going to jump out the window because she was high up off the ground and just end her life and then at that very moment or during that day the two missionaries showed up to to give her hope uh, i did see her in church later so I, I was aware that she did, in fact, uh, convert, and she did have uh, a very happy countenance on her face. Um, so that's one story. Now, this next one happened to me directly. I was, uh, again, a zone leader in Naples, or Napoli. I love Naples. Naples is an amazing, amazing place. I, I can't even describe how much I love it there, the feelings that come back when I think about that place. Well, I, we were there after the earthquake, after the earthquake of 1980, serving down there. And anyway, people, uh, many people in, in Naples live in very, very humble circumstances. So I was with this uh, one elder. I think he was the district leader. And we went out and started tracking. And these palazzi, these, these tall apartments, they sometimes at the bottom of them, if they're old enough, they have these um, rooms that are meant for gardening supplies to maintain the building, maintain the, the area around it. And, and they're not really intended to be a living place, living quarters. <clears throat> Maybe they stored carriages or now they store cars and, and gardening tools and what have you. And there's usually several of these on the very, very basement on, on, the, on the ground level. And sometimes in a little courtyard, you walk into the building and then you walk into this area and then there's these these garages or storage areas. Well, many of those have been converted into, into living quarters. And one of the best meals I ever had in Italy was uh, a, a sister 
a member of our church who uh, cooked us a wonderful meal in one of these very humble places. Anyway, we were in a place like that. It was getting late. We knocked on this door of this man. <clears throat> he was alone and he let us in. And it was a very, it's very small. I remember there was a table and, and the kitchen were in the same tiny room. <clears throat> and this man had a face that was an ashen gray. He was almost seemed lifeless as if all the spirit and energy had been drained out of his body. He didn't seem happy. He was just, he didn't smile. He was really in a bad state, I'd say spiritually and mentally. <clears throat> so we began to teach him a lesson and we also challenged him to read some materials that related to Jesus Christ and his mission. And that was that. Uh, we, we gave a lesson, we left, and this elder that w was there uh, told, told us a few weeks later that this man, that we, we left him with a book, a uh, book of scripture. And when they went back to visit him the next time, he had read the entire book. I, I couldn't believe when he when the seller told me that he'd read the entire book. <clears throat> well, because of the earthquake in Naples that had occurred a few months before, the chapel that we had been meeting in, meeting in on Via Roma had been destroyed. It was interesting because I went into that building to look at it, and you could see the ceiling had fallen in, and you could actually the the wood between the floors were exposed and they were big logs big wooden logs that had just been stripped of their bark and these buildings you know they're centuries old they're not like a hundred years old they're like two three four hundred years old <clears throat> yeah to see those big logs where the floor uh was supported was really interesting but anyway the building was destroyed so we had to pick a new place and we temporarily rented the top top floor of the hotel mediterraneo which is uh, the Mediterranean Hotel in, in downtown Naples. And all of the branches or all the congregations that would meet separately in tiny locations throughout the city were all meeting together in one big meeting. And I remember going in to this meeting a few, a while later after seeing this man and teaching him. And there he was, he had, uh, he had been, become converted and he was sitting there and the smile on his face was so big and he was so illuminated i couldn't believe this was the same person <clears throat> and i could see that he'd made some friends in the congregation that he sat with i remember a, a lovely woman he was sitting with in the congregation but the story that we were told was that when we went by that day he was contemplating suicide and he told this elder you know there was a knife on the table i was going to end my life when you came by and and visited me and to go from that to seeing his countenance at this uh, church meeting was and i saw him several times there always smiling the burden had been lifted whatever he was carrying now i believe that these people were probably not normally suicidal I think that they were 
being worked on by the adversary because something good was about to happen. And <clears throat> we just have to recognize this is a pattern. This is a pattern for all of us. It's a pattern that has been taught in the scriptures. We see over and over and over again where challenges either precede, you know, something happening or something good happens and then we're challenged after. Yeah, I think it can go both ways. The Savior gave a beautiful parable about sowing seeds. Some fall on shallow ground where the start to put roots in and then the sun comes out and scorches the plant and the plant dies. So yes, there can be conversions that are uh, in their early stages and then the trials and temptations come and we have to deal with them. So there's never a time when we're not being challenged in this earth. This is what the earth life is all about. Why am I talking about all this? Because what was in my heart yesterday after I did podcast five, I said to the Lord, I was in church and I said, Lord, what is the next thing that you want me to talk about? And it's clear as day, as clear, I mean, a clear impression, okay, was that I'm going to talk about what we are all trying to create on earth. We're, we're going to skip all across, we're going to skip past the tribulations. We know we're going to have those things happening. And, and if it were me, that's what I would probably want to talk about. We're going to go through this, we're going to go through that, and, and then, you know, and just explain all of it. And I think I will be allowed to at some point. But for now, we're going to leapfrog over all of that. And we're going to talk about, just like we are running an offensive play, and we're not going to, we're going to ignore the defense for now. We're going to ignore the tribulations. We're going to ignore the opposition. Okay, we're going to be like we read about yesterday with the apostles who were beaten and left rejoicing because that they could suffer shame for the name of Jesus Christ and they were happy. We can have that happiness no matter what we're, this is the key. It's like opposition is nothing compared to the joy we feel while we're going, while we're accomplishing the Lord's work. It's, it's, there's no comparison. It isn't even close. It's a small smidgen of a price to pay compared to the joy we're going to feel internally. So we're going to talk in the next little while, we're going to talk about societies and people in scripture, individuals, uh, societies who either did or tried to make heaven on earth. And we have amazing examples of how they did it. And we're going to do it. Go back and listen to Boots on the Ground. The Lord will use us. He's not going to come down in a cloud of glory and establish heaven on earth. We have to create that first. So he has a kingdom to come down to. We are going to do it. We're going to, we're going to do it in a way that is so powerful that the evil forces are going to shake and quake in their boots. Seriously, I, I'm just quoting scripture here. I'm not making this up. This is, I, I take the scriptures very literally when I can. I know some things aren't literal. They're symbolic or they're metaphorical. I get that part. But there is a, a well-orchestrated plan that was put together before we ever came here that is going to be executed. God has a whole playbook of offensive plays. Just understand that everything else you see is just noise. It's just opposition because Satan has got his own team 
they will not succeed no matter how bad it looks now we are going to focus on the societies that made it happen in spite of all odds and i want to also say this i'm going to i'm going to close with this last thing and then we'll do another podcast that deals with these things until we have heaven on earth there will be places we can go places we can gather where we can be safe and be protected so the lord is not going to leave we're not all going to make it out of this tribulation period unscathed but of course those who do not make it through will receive amazing blessings in the hereafter but there will be places of protection places of refuge uh, gathering points all across the globe where we're going to be safe and protected and the lord will fight our battles this is the promise of the scriptures this is the promise of the lord to his faithful he will hear our prayers if the lord could get a massive group of over i think a million people out of egypt and get them to live in the desert for 40 years once again this is another high water mark of god's power is that he could sustain a large volume of people in the wilderness with manna for 40 years if he can do that we should not even think twice that he can't do what is about to unfold through us so i'm going to leave with that now and then we'll get into the zion societies and wait and see the joy wait and see the blessings that are going to come to all of us as we participate in these safe and thrilling uh, communities and prepare for the Lord's coming. Thanks for listening.